1: Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com.
2: Good afternoon. It is a couple minutes after 4. And you are listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL.com. And on the WFIL app, you can download the app free from our website, put it on your smartphone or tablet. And carry us with you wherever you go. Forecast, calm for a lot of clouds. we had some sunny breaks along the way today, which has been nice. May get a shower, a thunder shower before it's all said and done this evening or overnight. 83 or so, of the high, 70 to low to, uh, this evening. And then tomorrow, mix of clouds and sun, high again of 83. Sunday, good deal of sunshine, a bit cooler, beautiful, high of 72. Well, today is a beautiful day, forecast-wise. And I'll tell you why in just a second, but before... I tell you why. And I'm going to hint at it here. We have a lot of things on our website, uh, something specifically called the Rewards Club. It's a loyalty club for our our station. It's free to join. We have a lot of prizes you can win and enter and all that sort of thing. We also have surveys there. And one of them right now is called the Philly Sports Survey. And uh, it's easy. First of all, you just answer some basic questions. There's no right or wrong. So you don't have to worry about it. It's like a quiz. For example, who is the favorite Philadelphia athlete of yours of all time. It could be, uh, let's say from the Eagles, Reggie White, maybe from the Flyers, Eric Lindros or, uh, Carter Hart, uh, perhaps from the Sixers, Julius Irving or Charles Barkley. Maybe you like Joel Embiid, whatever it might be from the Phillies. Lots to pick from of all the teams. Personally, the Phillies are my favorite. I love all the sports, but the Phillies are the ones I, I love the most. And I think it's partly because I grew up playing baseball that I could identify with that more. And, um, So you fill out that. You mention, you know, whichever player or you know you want. Then there's some other ones, like what's your favorite Philly sports moment? Could be a World Series championship. Could be when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. It could be an individual achievement that you happen to appreciate. And uh, another question on there is what's – if there's one game you could have ever been at, what would it have been? And, again, it doesn't have to be the obvious, like a championship. It could be something like Jim Bunning's perfect game. Father's Day back in the 60s. Maybe you were there, too. So you can throw that in there as well. So you take the little survey there, submit your answers, and after you share that, you'll be entered to win a copy of a book called This Day in Philadelphia Sp- uh, Sports, which is written by a uh, longtime Philadelphia sports uh, talk show host, uh, Brian Startari. It's co-written with him and another f- uh, uh, journalist, and um, it features highlights and lowlights in Philadelphia, specifically Philadelphia sports history right from January 1st through December 31st, which especially at this time of uh, the, the you know coronavirus stuff, it comes in handy because there's not a lot of new stuff to report on. Things are starting to open up here and there. There's some plans being made. We'll see how it goes, but there's not a, a score to report, generally speaking. And it's going to be a while perhaps before all that gets back to where, what we're used to. So this book can be a lot of fun for you to reference. Um, there's also a WFL ball cap and a gift card that will include we have several of those grand prize winners to make. So it's called the Philly Sports Survey. It's on our site at the Contest and Surveys page at WFIL.com. Now, I mention that uh, partly because it really ties into a guest that we have on our program for today, our only guest, but we don't really need more than this one guest. He is um, the greatest, uh, the, the, the one I watched growing up the most. Again, I love all the Philly athletes, but this is the one guy that I wanted to be like when I was a kid is uh played for the Phillies. Hall of Famer, Gold Glove third baseman, ringing the bell. Yeah. 548 career home runs. Bunch of other awards, won the National League MVP 3 times and um of course led the Phillies to the 1980 World Series championship and got back there again in 83 talking Michael Jack Schmidt when I was a kid used to get a white T-shirt out, or my wife says, those aren't T-shirts. It's called an undershirt. Okay, fine. So undershirt, get the red marker out, try to make Philly's pinstripes on there. You get stuck on the fabric so the line's not really quite straight. It kind of breaks up and uh, put the number 20 on there, a little thicker red marker, and then the name Schmidt in capital letters across the back. So whether I'm playing wiffle ball alone in the backyard or with the family or perhaps Um, You know, I could could be him, so to speak, and or when I'm playing little league ball and even softball, like I played a lot of third base, my mindset would be that fluid motion, that being able to scoop the ball up, fire to first, all the while making it look like no sweat had to be broken. And uh, at the plate, of course, standing in there, little bat waggle, little butt waggle, too. And um, I will say that the results I had both in the field and at the plate were not Hall of Fame worthy. However, it was fun emulating uh, Mike Schmidt. And we are very glad to be able to bring him uh, onto our program here in just a couple of moments. So hang on and we'll uh, enjoy our famous Friday show together with Mike Schmidt. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL.com, and on the app.
1: You're listening to a podcast of the Tim DeMoss Show. Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM560, WFIL, and at WFIL.com. On AM560, WFIL, it's the Tim DeMoss Show. If you please, doctor.
0: Doctor. Doctor. Ooh. play.
2: The Whiz Kids had won it. Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Brew and Gaylord Perry, Steve Agarby Schmidt, and Bada Blue. If town is calling, it's no fluke. They'll be with Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. A prophetic song. There, they'll be with Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. You didn't notice near the end of there, it's mentioned Mike Schmidt's name, and we are so glad to bring him on with us now. Hello, Mike Schmidt. How are you?
3: Yeah, Jim, it's good. Um, we get to pop out of the house every now and then, and I just got back from the grocery store from Publix with my wife. Uh, that's one of my weekly chores, and uh, I've learned a lot about grocery shopping. <laughs> and yeah well not that i didn't before but uh no we're, we're getting through the uh you know the self-quarantine and uh staying at home that we're all going through and uh we're fortunate uh, down in florida to kind of be in a little bit of bubble down here you know where we have a nice swimming pool you know to use and uh the yeah. golf course uh around our house is open and so um not not restaurants we can do curbside pickup and everything pretty much like uh like everybody else can but uh no it's different um we're what almost three months into this and uh we've actually accepted it as kind of a normal way of life and uh for us it's it's really not that bad uh we've taken up a couple of hobbies uh i'm trying to learn to play the piano i can do i could play play it a little bit and uh both of us have teamed up on some Lego projects, believe it or not. Uh, there's some really neat things. Uh, they, have, they have some kind of 16 and over Lego um, uh, buildings that you can build, which are a lot of fun. We've done that. I think we've done that. That's great. And uh, my job's been to light them, you know, run the wires through them and all that. And you know, with these shaky old fingers, uh, you know, they vibrate a little bit when I'm trying to do stuff. So keeps the brain working, you know, and uh, – Keeps our time occupied. Netflix, you know, kind of pretty much the same thing everybody else is doing.
2: Yeah, that Lego thing sounds pretty serious. Serious business.
3: Yeah, it is, especially with Donna. She's uh, she's already planned out her her next Lego project uh, when we go up north later in the month, and going to have three little buildings. And uh, she's going to build one. I'm going to build one, and the kids, the grandkids, are going to build one. So. That should be a lot of
2: fun. That's great. You know, my sons uh, went to college at Palm Beach Atlantic in West Palm. Uh-huh. So the uh, well, well off Okeechobee Boulevard there, and my mom and dad lived yep. there for many years. So when you said Publix, that that I've been to Publix uh, in on, on Okeechobee, a couple different ones. So uh, that that rang a bell.
3: So yeah, did I you're... think the pastor at our church, uh, both both the pastor and the assistant pastor, the assistant pastor's, pastors heavily involved there, but the pastors on the board uh of palm beach atlantic so uh yeah we're, we're familiar they talk about it a lot of times in church
2: interest you know gary carter was the the baseball manager there for a year before he passed away yes
3: yes i knew he i knew he took up that job yeah i sure do yeah, yeah.
2: interesting did you remember to get everything that, like what you went to the store for by the way you know you had to bring everything else home, but forget the thing you went for <laughs> <laughs>
3: um i get my assignment it's usually the wine and the, and the um uh, you know, the sodas and uh, yogurt. I go to the left, she goes to the right.
2: <laughs> Circle up later. That's conquer and divide. or Divide and conquer, however they say it. Well, yeah, yeah. that's great. That's wonderful. You know, when I was, I was thinking, I was sharing with some friends about, uh, and put on Facebook about our conversation today, and I started thinking, well, how do I introduce? I mean, obviously you don't need an introduction in many ways, but then I was thinking through, do I say Hall of Famer first? Do I say World Series champion? Do I say greatest third baseman ever? What do I do? So uh, I'm going through that list. In your mind, is there something that sticks out the most? Like, not that you would brag on yourself, but is there something that that you uh, like to see first, for lack of a better term? You know, if you see your name. Somewhere?
3: No, no, not really. Um, um, no, actually, I, I guess uh, part of the World Series uh, champion, eighty Phillies, which uh, you know, which has, is having its fortieth anniversary this year. Yeah, um, that's about it. Uh, part of the Phillies broadcast team. Um, that's enough for me. Uh, I don't think uh need much more than that. Okay. Talking to a Phillies crowd anyway. Yeah. Philadelphia crowd.
2: <laughs> it's true. Absolutely. On a historic station, WFIL, back with Dick Clark That's back right. in the day and all those, the boss jocks.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, well, on the on the greatest third baseman ever, I put that in there, and my friend Dan said that he was he was great. And then he mentioned, he said, Brooks Robinson. I'm like, nice try, Dan. <laughs> so <get> into that, <laughs> whole, that whole debate about different, different third basemen. But what I think is amazing is – partly uh, considering that you were a shortstop for, you know, prior to becoming the, the Phillies third baseman. When did that changeover happen from short to third for you, or were you shortstop most uh, of your yeah, high school career?
3: I, I, I was a shortstop in college, and okay. uh, and I uh, played short and, and, uh, at Redding when I first uh, went to the minor leagues for half a year, and then I went to Eugene, Oregon to play third base, and uh, John Bukovic uh, – the, you know a third baseman that had been in the in the major leagues for a year prior and uh well they they wanted him to play second base because they wanted me to play third and then about a month into the season neither one of us were hitting well and we switched positions defensively and uh, both of us started to take off uh you know offensively we started i mean i, I started to have one heck of a year and it all started with a switch from third to second now reason being is it took a lot of pressure off of my hitting. I mean, all I was really trying to do was do the job as a team second baseman. I never had played second base before. And my roommate, um, at a, you know, in Eugene, uh, was Craig Robinson. He was a shortstop and he and I were just having a ball playing uh short and second up the middle for the uh Eugene team and uh it just kind of relaxed me and I started to come alive as a hitter and um went back then at the end of the year I got uh, called up to the the, the big club and uh, went back to third base then and uh, then never didn't really move uh, always really wanted to play some other position but stayed yeah. at third base the rest of my career.
2: Philly's all-time great Mike Schmidt, our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show today. We'll take a quick break. We'll keep our conversation going here in just a moment. You're listening to AM560, WFIL.com, and the WFIL app. Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for tuning in
1: to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560, WFIL, and WFIL.com. It's twenty one.
2: Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL.com, and on the app... We are very pleased to have the one and only 1980 World Series champ and Philadelphia Phillies Hall of Fame third baseman, Mike Schmidt, join us. And before the break, just mentioning how you were a shortstop before switching to third base. I just want to note, I think it's amazing to switch positions and then become the best at another position of all time, which is a a pretty cool thing. Uh, On a related note, I had a conversation with Jimmy Rollins' mom one time. She said she did not let Jimmy... Uh, play ball till he was 13. I think if I remember correctly, because she didn't mm-hmm. want him to burn out too quickly, uh, which surprised me. It's I, I've heard of athletes who start, you know, later and, and it's fine. But um, how about for you? Did you, did you start as a you know real young kid or did you get into it a little later on?
3: I started when I was three. Wow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: Okay. Well, that was with a, that was with a, a tennis ball and a stick in my backyard. Sure. Uh, but no, I, um, Sports was my life back then. It was a different time uh, that we lived in. It was all about being outside and, and playing whatever the season it was. Uh you know, as I grew older, uh, you know, got into my um you know, good ten, eleven, twelve and into my teens, uh and then uh you know, played every sport. Uh we were throwing footballs and shooting basketballs and, and, and uh playing some kind of stick ball or wiffle ball or something, uh and then when we got big enough, you know, Little League come, came along and, uh, um, you new know, pop warner football, stuff like that, uh, got into high school. And then of course, uh, uh, it was sort of big time seasonal sports, uh, football, basketball, baseball, uh, played them all. Uh, didn't really have a favorite of, of any of them. Just wanted to be with my friends and guys I played the other sports with and, uh, Whatever sport it was, that's the one we played. And everybody wanted to be the best guy on the team at whatever sport it was. You know, it was very competitive back then. Yeah. We didn't have uh, cell phones. Uh, you know, we didn't have the Internet. We, we didn't have uh, really any reason. Uh, the only reason to stay home would have been homework. And who wants to do that? So <laughs> um, homework and sleep, I guess. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. And eat. Yeah, we had to eat. So you know, our lives were much different than the kids' lives are today. And um, I wouldn't have wanted to grow up in any other in any other time in history than the time that I did. Hmm. Um, and it's unfortunate that that kids nowadays, uh, well, they're a lot of times forced to specialize. Uh, they're they're um, a lot of them are attached to internet, uh, attached to cell phones and uh, iPads, and you know it's a whole different world that, that they live in now, and uh, it's a different it's 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 hard it's hard to be competitive now it's hard to it's hard to stick out because um um, everyone specializes and every you know the the players i don't know that they they aren't um i guess a lot of them aren't really allowed to um play them all you know to play all the sports yeah Uh, Yeah. they are forced to play one sport year round and a sport if they want to specialize in those sports and they are trained year round to play golf, for you know, to play basketball or football or baseball or what it is. They they work year round with a coach, uh, a mentor um, on the same sport year round. I don't think that's good, um, but then again, I'm you know I'm <laughs> seventy years old. And I'm looking about my life and uh, how successful I was as an athlete. And uh, sure, you have a ton of really really great athletes nowadays, but uh, I think I think the percentage of kids. Making it as, uh, as great athletes uh, now is a lot less than it was, you know, when, when I played.
2: Interesting. That's, you know, it's a very interesting thought. Folks, this is tuning in. Mike Schmitz, our guest on the Tim Demont show today. Uh, I was thinking um, uh, when I was up in Cooperstown, my son was playing on a, in a tournament there when he was 13, and there was a team from California, Team Marini, and they were all homeschool kids. We actually homeschool our kids too. But their parents, I talked to them, they said, we practice ball four hours a day. And I talked to yeah, someone who works great. for the Phillies, and they're like, none of those kids are going to make it. That's too much, too, too much. And I talked to other play, players like Chase Utley, who says, I would. he's more like you. He said, I'd rather play multiple sports, develop different skills. He says, everybody can do what they want. But uh, combined with the fact that like, when I was a kid, we did Little League like in the spring, and that was it. And now it's like spring ball, summer ball, fall ball. Like, is there any ch- chance to breathe and do something else? So I right. couldn't,
3: I couldn't, I couldn't wait to move on to the next sport. You know, as yeah. football season wound down, and uh, uh, you know, I just couldn't wait then to to put the football gear up and uh, and grab the basketball. You know, and and start. Getting our instructions for when the you know when basketball practice was going to start and the schedule would come out and the same thing with basketball as we wound down the basketball season, I couldn't wait to flip into the baseball season hmm. and I think I think the sports uh, are all interconnected. One example that I would give you is I was exceptionally quick to react uh, going to my left and my right. Um, and I, I I owe that all I feel to basketball. In basketball, all we did was those defensive drills where you slide to your left, you slide to your right, and and you cross over, and and you know you're playing defense, and you have to do these defensive drills, which which I feel allowed me to react as a as a runner on first base with that first step, which is which is how I was able to steal bases. You know, I I was I would say fairly quick for my size, but I got the Greatest jump on on the first jump on the balls at third base as well defensively, and I think I owe that all to basketball. So that's how the sports are, are intertwined.
2: That's fascinating. It really is, and it, it speaks to I think people will know you of course as a home run hitter, 548 career homers, and all the home run titles, and they'll know you as well for the Gold Gloves and, and the defense. But I think they may forget. I think you had 59 career triples and close yeah. to a couple hundred stolen bases. Like the the whole game, you, you think five tool you might think Mike Schmidt, yeah, he probably did a little bit of that, but you did more than people realize. And maybe it traced back to the fact you did so many different sports,
3: you know? So yeah. well, for 18 years, you know, you played, and I, I was, uh, you know, I was able, luckily not to have any major injuries. And uh, yeah. um, I, you know, I, I felt like I, I tried and I wanted to excel in all facets of the game. I want to be remembered as a five tool player. And, uh, that's what the great players of all time were, you know, uh, Hank and Willie and, uh, um, you know, the, the Trouts and uh, guys like that are, are known for being five-tool players. They, they can basically do it all, and you got to be able to run a little bit and steal some bases and have a great arm and uh, know that, you know, have a good sense for, you know, good baseball instincts and all that. So, you know, I kind of prided myself in, in a guy that could beat you five different ways when we played. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Mike Schmidt's kind enough to hang out with us for a bit on the Tim DeMoss show today on WFIL. Um, I always find it interesting, no matter what the sport, to look through the draft order and see who was picked when. Of course, Michael Jordan, number three, and see good players above him, but still, uh, and below, up and down. When you were drafted, I guess it was the second round in 1971, and um, we were, I guess you were in the, the sixth pick in the second round. So it's high, but like, was that about where you thought you would go? Did you have any idea where you might go that, that year?
3: You know the, the Phillies. Um, you know you, you could kind of get a sense for who was looking at you, who was interested in you. I was actually uh, not eligible for the draft after my junior year in college, which would have been, which would have made me a higher pick. Because I could have always said, well, you know, that's not enough money, or that's not being drafted high enough, or you, if you didn't like the team that drafted you, I could always say that I'm going back to school. Yeah, and I would have some leverage. I didn't have any leverage as a senior when I when I was drafted. I was a senior, or well, if you're a high school player and you're drafted, you can always say, "Well, I'm going to take that scholarship offer," and it you know it, it raises your uh, value um, a, as a player. And I basically you know just the value I had was the value I had, and the Phillies picked me in the second round, so I didn't wasn't a first round draft pick. I was a college player. And a lot of the, I, th- I think I might have been the first college player picked that year. Um, and I was the 30th pick in the draft. George Brett was the 29th pick. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Yeah, isn't that some? <laughs> and, um, and they picked, uh, let's see, the guy's name is Ray, Um Roy Thomas. Ray, Ray, exactly. Roy Thomas yes. was the first pick of the Phillies that year. And uh, uh, they picked me second. And. What the heck? That's not bad. No, and, uh, no. It's it just a, that's a nice little signing bonus. And then uh, actually what was really nice was they took sent me to double-A baseball. You know, nowadays kids, uh, they go to the a lower minor league team and then they're upper minor league team. And then they finally get to a high-A team. And, and no one gets rushed through the minor leagues much anymore. And, heck, I was a year and a half in the minor leagues and then I was in the major leagues.
2: Yeah yeah and i find it fascinating on that that roy thomas thing just the, the whole thing about how they picked him first and you second like how it's not an, obviously an exact science i looked up his numbers he was i think 20 and 11 with 289 strikeouts and his but the problem was that was his career that wasn't one year right so yeah you want to go on to have a hall of fame it well, was,
3: was a big a big tall right-handed pitcher yeah and a high school kid and uh you know, pretty attractive, I guess, in those days.
2: Yeah, Phillies World Series champion and Hall of Fame third baseman Mike Schmidt, our guest. Uh, we're going to have a podcast of this, too, on WFL.com on our homepage afterwards. Quick check on the forecast, a lot of clouds, maybe a little sun the rest of the day. Uh, shower, shower possible this evening. Low down to 70. Tomorrow up to 83 with some sun and clouds. And then for Sunday, good deal of sun and a high of 72. Quick break. We'll keep our conversation going with Mike Schmidt and
1: WFL. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues.
2: It's 435 on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thank you for tuning in today. We're very pleased to have Philly's World Series champion and Hall of Fame third baseman Mike Schmidt as our guest. Uh, so we are talking before the break about you getting drafted a little bit in the minor leagues. Then you made the jump to the major leagues. And uh, I guess what I find really interesting is, you know, the first year you struggled some and, you know, decent, but not great, of course. And then the second year you have this massive jump, like a huge jump uh, up. Uh, What do you think that was about? Why do you think that happened?
3: I went to Winter Bowl uh, the year before in uh, Puerto Rico and uh, I... I kind of learned uh, how to make a little bit more contact uh, as a hitter, and uh, I learned a couple of things about hitting that I, I really hadn't experienced at that point, and I took it right through spring training, and um, I hit a home run opening day to win the game off of Tug McGraw, my our old friend Tug McGraw, he was wow. with the Mets then, yeah. and uh, I hit a game-winning home run. and. Uh, It just kind of lit a fire under me, and uh, I was uh, one of the top players in the game at All-Star break, uh, made the All-Star team, went to Pittsburgh uh, for the All-Star game, and kind of rode out that year pretty well. Ended up, I think, with uh, 116 RBIs or something like that, and uh, yeah... um, I think 36 home runs, and that was a long way from 196 <laughs> the year before. Yes,
2: yes, yeah, so about 196 average, 18 homers, but still, I did not know some of that had to do with the position change. Also, just learning because there's a lot you're learning. You jumped to the major league level, position change. And, I was
3: just, or, uh, just a young kid that uh, got pushed uh, pretty quickly through the ranks, and uh, mostly because I could play a little defense and and I could hit the ball a long way to left field, and uh, I guess. They just wanted me to get me to the big leagues. They weren't a very good team at that time and uh, let me learn on my own in the big leagues.
2: Yeah. You know, one quick question, just before I'm thinking of it, on that path. Um, I always find it fascinating. From the time that you, you know, started picking up a ball and being interested in playing all those sports, was there a point at which you, you look back and you think, you know, I was this close to maybe pursuing basketball or pursuing something else? And along with that, was there a time where you first really felt like, you know what? It's it's one thing to excel at a sport when I'm playing little league or with my high school kids. It's another thing to know you have what it takes. or really feel like, you know what, I can make a run at this. So those are the two questions. Right for you.
3: Tim, I ne- I really never, ever knew that I had what it takes until I was actually there, you know, until, I mean, I was always quite a bit doubtful in my, in my ability. Um, hmm. until I got to that year in Eugene, Oregon, um, when, when I started to get some hits off of good, you know, good young pitchers and guys that pitched in the major leagues and, uh, um, you know, I finished a year with really, really strong numbers and, um, and then again, I, I went to the major leagues and had that year where I hit 196. So, you know, it was a big jump for me going from AAA to the big leagues. And, um, I, I guess I really didn't feel like, I was a one of the best players in baseball in the major leagues until we got halfway through that. Until I made that All Star game in Pittsburgh that I mentioned a little bit ago. Until I was in the major leagues, actually having success, yeah. doing really well uh, against major league pitching, and uh, I found the confidence in myself and felt that I belonged. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as other sports go, I, I, I would have never made it as a football player. My my legs weren't healthy enough, and nor would I have had as a basketball player. I just, I mean, I could play the game. I had, I was a slick, slick player, and all that. But I just didn't have the the body build and the and the health in my knees and things like that to make it in basketball. So I ended up uh, as a baseball player, and I'm quite happy with that.
2: Mike Schmidt, our guest on the Tim DeMoss show today on WFIL. Of course, as a kid, I'm 52. So I grew up through the glory years, including the, the struggle years. And then the, 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 big peak in 1980 when the, the world series, um, you know, so watching the Reds, games, the Dodgers games in the seventies, the pirates games. And uh, as a kid, as a 12 year old, I was in the, in the nosebleeds in, in upper and uh, right field. When, uh, when Tug struck out Willie Wilson in 1980, um, how much did it mean to you? That's I guess eight and nine years into your career at that point, what did it mean to you? And looking back on it now, how much did that that World
3: Series championship mean to you? Well, it meant everything. You know, we always uh, all of us have a resume, and uh, resumes aren't just aren't complete if there isn't something accomplished as a team. If you don't have some kind of a team championship, it's like a golfer, you know, that that never won a major. Um, they're always going to say he was the one of the greatest players, but he never won a major, or he was one of the you know, the greatest major league players in the hall of fame, but you know, he never won a world series yeah. and, and those tags like that kind of always, uh, follow you around. And mine is complete. You know, my resume is complete, uh, because of 1980. Yeah. And, uh, I'm able to say that I have at least one of everything. And, uh, <laughs> right. right. Uh, ni- and you know, 1980 made that possible. And that's not because I did it. It's because we did it. And, um, you know, I'm I'm thankful that I was a big part of that. We, but there was also times during that run where you know I failed, and another guy you know picked me up, or another guy got a big hit after I failed, kind of to erase my failure. And that's how you win world championships. You know, you got guys that uh, you know could come through in key moments uh, in games, and so the guy that failed prior, uh, you know, is not is not necessarily a. A goat and uh um uh, you don't remember people don't remember that uh i had a poor uh nationally championship series that year people remember my world series people remember my my run the, down to the playoffs in the last six or seven games of the season but they don't remember my nlcs because we won you know we won yeah and um so that that's what that means everything to me. The 80s the eighties
2: season. That's a great thing, and plus, and although you didn't win in eighty three, you have a second World Series appearance. Which that team concept of being able to help take a team back to the, the you know the championship round further strengthens that that position as you mentioned. So I, I would think even you know you'd love to win, have won it, but at least you were in it there a second a second one. So. Um, Yeah. You know, my mom went to be with the Lord five years ago. I have her Phillies sun hat on top of my microphone in my home office, and we used to collect baseball cards together for years and watch the Phillies while we did that. Just the joy of being together with her and doing something we both loved. Uh, I'm guessing you've heard lots of stories of appreciation. Did it occur to you a lot when you were playing and or maybe in the years since really how much you know, you and the, and the team were part of our childhood and and how much joy that gave, even if you couldn't, you know, obviously realize it for every single person. But just to know that that was happening while you're doing your craft.
3: Not as much as I do now. Not as much as I do now. Uh, from my vantage point now, it's just totally different hmm. than when I was a, an active player. Um, <clears throat> I have a totally different perception on what, what what professional sports means and uh and being a player in professional sports and i have uh a totally um different feel for how you know how i was i i, I really wish i played the game differently i really wish i would have played the game and had more fun i really wish i would involve the crowd um um, the fan <clears throat> excuse me the fans more in my life, the fans in the stands at the vet while we were playing uh, I really wish I would have opened up you know myself more to them. I was way too uh, I, you know it's almost like I was playing with a set of blinders on you know uh, almost didn 't even really want to look in the stands uh, <clears throat> and that was a very strong shortcoming of mine back then and uh but uh now i see it from a total different perspective i'm I'm of course seeing it uh from the the uh, pandemic that we're in right now but uh, even before that uh, i saw you know i saw the joy in the stands from my broadcast booth and uh <clears throat> i see it all the time now um basically all i can say about that is is uh I'm, it's, it's just too bad i didn't learn that earlier and uh of course toward the end of my career I, w- I know i was much more appreciated as a player in philadelphia and uh, there was a lot more warmth around around me and the fans in the stadium so I, I did get a taste of it but i yeah. i could have been, done a lot more to make it that way my entire career
2: Phillies world series champion and hall of fame third baseman mike schmidt kind enough to spend some time with us this afternoon we have a quick break to take and then we'll wrap up our conversation here listen to the tim dimas show on am 560 com and on the WFIL app. Thanks for tuning in
1: today. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL? Email D at wfil.com. It's
2: 447 on the Tim DeMoss Show. What a pleasure this hour has been. We still have a few more moments with 1980 World Series champion, Hall of Fame third baseman Mike Schmidt the Philadelphia Phillies. And, you know, I'm noticing calendar-wise... 31 years ago today is when you officially called it a career, right?
3: That's right. Somebody told me that earlier today. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I wouldn't have remembered that. I would not have remembered that. I don't think I played my last game on this date, but I think I may have officially retired on this date.
2: Yeah, I think the last game was the 28th of May against San Francisco on the road, if I remember. And then the next day was the announcement. Mm -hmm. So I remember hearing that. I was 21 thinking, what? what wait huh <laughs> you were even yeah. elected to the all-star game just despite the fact that you only had the first couple of months and you chose not to play that year if i remember correctly but you were at the game
3: i think is how well, it worked out that on the good lord because <laughs> <laughs> i was praying and praying and trying and asking for a sign and uh, um i had uh, once you start uh, thinking if it if you know if it could be the end um you start looking around and you and you you're noticing things about yourself as a player that that maybe aren't different, but you start to feel like they're different. And uh, I, I I was asking, uh, putting putting it all on the Lord's shoulders and uh, saying, please just show me a sign. Should I keep going? Should I not keep going? I, I I wouldn't doubt I would have kept playing for a long, you know, for I don't know how many games, but a lot longer had I. Uh, had had he let me hit a grand slam instead of Will Clark. (laughs) (laughs) I I was looking for a sign, and I uh, was in toward the end of that game you were talking about in San Francisco, and uh, uh, then on first and second, and uh, Robbie Thompson hit a ground ball to me and went right through my legs. And the next pitch, Will Clark hit a grand slam, and as he was rounding the bases and he ran right in front of me, I said, well, there's your sign. And um, I decided to make it official after that game. Wow.
2: Wow. Mike Schmidt's so kind to spend time with us today on the Tim DeMoss show on WFIL and maybe picking up exactly where you said they're rounding third base and heading toward home in our conversation here. Uh, a great way maybe to wrap up is to just talk for a moment. Um, if You know, really, when God first got on your radar, you've talked about it in and through our conversation. I remember reading a baseball chapel flyer as a kid and a story about how Andre Thornton was was key to that. Yeah. Right. Uh, he and his wife had prayed with so. you. Yeah. What, what was that story again? If you remember?
3: We'll I'll try to give you the short version. Uh, <clears throat> I uh, began being a regular baseball chapel attendee on Sundays, and uh, um, got close to several uh, um, friends of uh, strong Christian people uh, that uh, uh, helped me along the way. And not only myself, but uh, you know Bob Boone, Gary Maddox, had uh, a pastor over in Jersey by the name of Wendell Kempton, Kempton that was uh, strong in our lives, and. We, um, Jim Cotts, another one. Uh, we had a Bible study in the off season where all of us and our wives uh, attended uh, once a week. It, it, we hosted them at different houses, and we, you know, we all kind of went through this. Uh, um, what do I want to say? Not a struggle, but we all went through this together, and uh, in each of us uh, in our own way. Um, came to the Lord, uh, I guess in 1977. Hmm. And, uh, it, yeah, it, uh, it, it, made, obviously it changed me and it changed my life. It changed my marriage. It changed everything about, uh, what, you know, about, uh, the way I approach things and in, in life. And, uh, obviously most importantly would be, you know, life away from baseball, but also important was life around baseball. And, uh, it, uh, it gave me a whole different perspective on uh, winning and losing, on uh, succeeding and failing, and uh, um, it, it it just totally changed me as a baseball player. Now it didn't it didn't take me to that point that I wanted to, where I told you I'd like to get those blinders off and and, and relate more to fans. But I think I related more to to people um, off the field. I, I think my my baseball career gave me that platform to. To, uh, to verbalize, uh, that experience in my life and to, to tell people, uh, what has happened to me. Uh, Andre Thornton uh, again played a big part in it. Uh, uh, we were trying to have a child and, uh, we were unable to. And then, uh, one, uh, one week all of a sudden my wife got pregnant and, uh, you know, a lot of prayers and, um, it happened and, it just, it just There were just several uh, little experiences in life that uh, I, I can remember that uh, led me to get down on my hands and knees and uh, hmm. tell the Lord I was a sinner and that I wanted him to take over the reins of my life. And uh been there ever since. As you know, as uh, you may know, I've had some serious health issues over the last six or seven years, and uh, yeah. I don't know how I got through it without the ability to pray.
2: Amen, amen. I, I remember. I think part of that story with Andre Thornton was that after he had prayed uh, for you guys to to be able to have a child. I think he lost. Didn't he lose his wife and? Child?
3: Yeah, you know, it's a part of really a the- uh, um, a moment in in my life and our lives that uh, we will never forget. He was at he he had, was having dinner at our house and uh, um he and Gert his wife were there and uh, we all joined hands and prayed. He he, he said this beautiful prayer about us trying to uh, have children and, you know, sort of, we were kind of, Don and I were kind of crying and it was like within a week uh, from that dinner we were having, uh, he lost two, he lost his uh, wife and one of his children in a crash on a free, and his van uh, uh, overturned on the freeway and uh, two of his four, two of four of the family were killed. And at the same time, <clears throat> within a couple of days of that, uh, Donna became pregnant so wow. it, um, you know it just shook shook the daylights out of me and uh, just it was a you know it was a miracle, a miracle in life that happened to us and uh, it uh, led me in the right direction that's for sure
2: yeah I remember seeing you at a prayer breakfast uh, when I was a, a kid maybe I don't remember in my teens perhaps and I think at that time you had said just cycling back to what you said a moment ago too. Just a chance to uh, regroup and and speak in front of groups. I don't know if you still do that every now and again. Was but, that
3: at by chance?
2: Uh, man, it might have been. It might have been. I have to look I it know. up.
3: I mean, I don't know if your your last name's Demoss, but I know I I've, I did a, did something for the Demoss family way back then, and uh, yeah. I, I don't know whether you were just a little boy at the time <laughs> or not.
2: Yeah, that's my my father's Robert. His brother's Arthur. So I actually spoke in chapel a couple of times and yeah it was a right. prayer breakfast that my uncle Arthur I think in the foundation had put together I would have mm-hmm. been probably 15 at the time something like that yeah but and, and you said you know it's good when you have to prepare to speak in front of people it reminds you because you were still you know you're, you're playing ball and it it refocuses you on what really matters more than even more than what's on the diamond what's happening in your life and and these other things in your walk with God so uh, right. yeah yeah I, well I let me close if I could ask this um just to put it out there, whatever, however direction you would take it. Any, any words of wisdom? You look back, you see all these, all these accolades, your walk with God, how he's brought you through these health things. And, um, you know, what's important to you at, at this point in your life, uh, words of wisdom you encourage people with and, 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 or how people can pray for you.
3: Well, for sure, Tim, I mean, I, I can use all the prayers that, uh, that people out there can muster up. I mean, I'm, I'm, lucky enough at this point in time to be stable from uh, a cancer issue that i had back in 2013 Um, so you know any prayers uh... for my health uh... would be would be appreciated and uh... you know i I would be glad to pray for anybody in the same way Um, uh, i would say that uh... it's a heck of a lot easier Acknowledging that there is someone bigger than, uh, than, than you, uh, than I am in this, in this world today, especially, uh, coping with the things that we have to now, uh, um, to be able to ask God to uh, help us down here with this pandemic, this virus and, uh, uh, pray for our, uh, doctors and our nurses and, uh, our uh, frontline uh, service people and, uh, first responders, uh, pray for our leaders who surely need to be prayed for. And uh, um, you know that uh, you'll get through life and we'll get through this. Uh, and and it, it's there's nothing stronger than be able to sit down, close your eyes and, and ask the Lord for forgiveness and ask the Lord for help.
2: Amen. Those are great words. It's really a pleasure to talk with you and catch up with you. It's been many years. I've seen it at the ballpark a couple of times. i Covered the team part time for about twenty something years, but uh, you know I've, I see you every once in a great while, but I don't bother you because usually someone else is. <laughs> So I, I not bothering you, but you know what I mean. I figured I'd just uh, maybe approach you at the right time. So I'm,
3: Well, don't don't uh, worry about bothering me, Tim. I okay. uh, we'll hope to see you sometime there this summer.
2: That'd be great. That'd be wonderful. Enjoy the rest of your day, your weekend. It's uh, such a pleasure to talk with you and God bless you. Greetings to your to your lovely wife, and uh, I hope you have, have you I hope the groceries are unpacked. Are they not defrosting the on yes, the counter? Sir, they are. <laughs>
3: they are. <laughs> All right, thank you, Tim. Nice take, being with
2: you. You too. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye bye. All right. 1980 World Series champion, Hall of Fame third baseman, man, three-time NL MVP, World Series MVP. The list goes on, 12-time All-Star, led the National League in home runs eight times, runs better in four times, 548 career homers, all those numbers. I know as a kid, growing up as a fan, a lot of folks do too, but also, uh, especially you can hear in the end of our conversation, a much bigger perspective, obvious with Mike Schmidt beyond the on-field accomplishments in terms of his faith in the Lord and seeing God's hand at work in everyday life, which is a great thing. That's what this radio station is about. Hopefully you get that as you tune in a uh, real pleasure having him on today. You can grab the podcast of today's show, by the way, at WFIL.com. should be there within an hour or so. If you happen to like the podcast thing, you can, uh, just look for the Tim DeMoss Show wherever you get your podcast and subscribe and get it that way too through iTunes or Stitcher or Google, or whatever you, uh, you know, again, wherever you get those. So, with that said, uh, one last quick note our Bible League partnership continues about a third of the way there. We're hoping to wrap up Sunday, so we have a lot of ground to cover. If you want to help out, it's 800 Yes Word, just $5 for a Bible to help out. And you can do as many as you'd like, 800 Yes Word or at WFIL.com. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great weekend. Jim Maxim, Acts Four Thirteen 13 Ministries lead to prayer next. Catch you Monday.
1: Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from four till five on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com